Shalom, and welcome to Viahavta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a good God, a God that loves his people and blesses us in a variety of manners. One way is through the giving of his spirit. When we become a believer, that is, through redemption, we are brought into a relationship with God, and that relationship will lead us to worship God. As we get to know the living God, we are going to be moved to thank Him, to praise Him, to adore Him, and to worship Him. So through the Holy Spirit, we worship God, but also we learn how to worship God through His Word. We find that throughout Scripture, there are many examples, numerous instructions that teach us how to worship God. But if you were to ask me the best place in all of Scripture to turn to in order to worship our Savior, I would answer that by saying the book of Psalms. And we're going to encounter today in this study a foundational psalm for worshiping God. And that psalm is Psalm 96. Take out your Bible, open it up, please, to the book of Psalms and Psalm 96. This psalm is a simple one that reminds us that we're supposed to worship God and it instructs us, teaches us on why we should worship God, why He is God and there is no other. Look with me to verse 1, Psalm 96 and verse 1. It begins with these words, Sing unto the Lord a new song. Now remember something. That word new is a kingdom word. We speak about a new covenant. That is a kingdom covenant. We become a new creation. We are a kingdom creation. John in the book of Revelation looked at the new Jerusalem. Remember that new, the new Jerusalem. And he says, behold, all things are new. New is a kingdom word. And we see, for example, the 144,000, they sung a new song unto the Lord, a kingdom song. And this is what this psalm is teaching us how to praise God, worship Him, give Him thanks in a kingdom way, not limited to the the things of this world, but because we become a new creation, because the Holy Spirit, He dwells within every believer, we can do just that. Look at verse 1. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. And what we learn from that is this. Ultimately, God is going to bring his creation, this first creation, into a kingdom condition. God is the redeemer of the world. That's what he's able to do. 
Now, does that mean that every human being is going to experience redemption? No, it does not. In fact, we know that the way into the kingdom, the word of God says, it is narrow and few will find it. So proportionally, those who are going to be in the kingdom of God is a remnant. It is a minority, but the work of redemption is broad. The invitation to experience the kingdom is very inclusive. God gives it to all people. The heavens and the earth declares that God is, and God equips us with his conscience to know that God exists, and he instructs us. The question is, are we going to respond? The call here when it says, sing to the Lord all the earth, it is a very broad uh, invitation that all people are invited into the kingdom. But again, only a few will take and act upon this invitation. Look now to verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. This is what we're called to do. And when it says to bless his name, it means to place significance, emphasize his character. I've shared so much that the biblical word name relates to character. So when it says bless his name, we are called to worship him and extol him. Why? For his character. Everything about God is good behold very good it's simply saying that he is praiseworthy for every aspect of his being his character his attributes who he is and what he does and then it says proclaim and this is a word for to evangelize this is the hebrew word which relates to evangelism which is to proclaim the good news so proclaim day to day from one day to the next day is what it literally says his salvation now when we look at this we can draw a conclusion that if you're not looking in the original language you're not paying attention to the grammatical clues of the text we miss out but if i would say to you what is salvation people they would look up and think well what is salvation to me this is not how you interpret the bible based upon the verse of scripture that we're looking at there's only one answer and that is this salvation in this scripture is parallel with his name there are grammatical markings that unite his salvation with his name and therefore name is character salvation is when we demonstrate his character when we become like him that's why we have been saved so when we pay attention to the laws of hebrew poetry and this is poetry we find that we can glean much more from the text than when we ignore the fact that it's hebrew poetry and that there are specific laws attached to it look now to to verse 3 where it says tell among the nations his glory so israel has a responsibility and now we could say that concerning the congregation of redeemed the church we have an obligation god is commanding us to tell among the nations his glory and among all the peoples it's in the plural 
doesn't matter what language, what their, their background is, their culture, their skin color. All of this is irrelevant. We are called to proclaim, this is what it says, that we are called to tell among all the people his wonders, meaning his miracles, that our God is a miracle-working God that is not limited by by anything whatsoever that's why his name yudhe speaks of the god who transcends times yudhe he was he is and he will be no limitation that he is not bound by anything this is the god that we're called to proclaim to all nations and to all peoples and then he says as we continue on in the next verse verse four for great is the lord and then we have this Hebrew term, u me hulal. It means that he, and the word after that is the word, word me'od, which means exceedingly or very. So the scripture says, great is the Lord and is praised exceedingly. That's what we should do. We should proclaim that he's great and exceedingly, exceedingly praise him because this scripture again grammatically it's telling us that he is worthy to be praised this is how we worship god by praising him for who he is this great lord and then it says nora nora some bibles will say look at it as a verb in the passive that he should be feared and yes he should meaning we should give him priority but this word nora can mean awesome it means something which is is spectacular that goes beyond our ability to comprehend so nora sometimes that word is terrible in the sense that fearful or it can be wonderful in the sense of awesome the hebrew is is broad with this meaning based upon the text so feared is he or awesome is he over all gods and of course we're going to be told in a moment these other gods they're not really gods people attribute to them deity but that's just in the demented minds of human human beings notice what the scripture says in this passage of scripture he says look at verse 5 for all the gods of the peoples are what idols so all these other gods that people uh, speak to whether it's uh, uh allah whether it's the god of of uh, paganality in in asia and other places we see that they have thousands of gods all of these gods don't exist they are idols and that's why it says for all the gods of the people they are idols for and this is what we see and the lord it's only the lord the heavens he made god made the heavens now again why is the term heaven he made the earth as well he made all things but heavens are being in a unique way uh emphasized because the heavens are that which is beyond humanity meaning that which transcends the natural and God is, all this is saying is that our God is a supernatural God that does beyond what anyone else 
or any of these false gods, these idols, are, are able to do. And then we see verse 6, Hod v'hadar. Hod has to do with something that is, is precious, something that is valuable. We might translate it as honor. And hadar is another synonym for that same concept. So we could say honor and glory, that which is spectacular, that which is special, that which is unique, that which is of high value. And we have two words that basically, two different words that relate to the same thing, that our God is wonderful and that he is worthy to be honored. So honor and glory is before him. And then power, and then we have the word tiferet, which means splendor. Power and splendor is in his sanctuary what is this reference reference to us his sanctuary is speaking about where god dwells that that in worship the sanctuary a place where god dwells a place where we are called to worship now in a broader sense we're speaking about the temple temple is synonymous with worship and it tells us why we should offer up things to god why we should worship him All of this psalm really focuses upon us worshiping God, praising Him, acknowledging Him, and submitting to Him. And then verse 7. In verse 7, we have a, a change that's going to be seen in the next few verses, a change from what we saw earlier, singing to the Lord or proclaiming to the Lord. Now we have the word here, the term havu which relates to to giving or bringing depending upon the context so we'll just translate it giving give to the lord the families of the earth now what this means is it is calling for humanity this expression mishpachot amim simply is an idiom for all of humanity once again god is is calling all people to worship him all people to enter into a covenantal relationship with him through redemption so give to the lord the families of the people bring to the lord that same word havu bring to the lord glory and power now glory is those precious things and power means all that that you have at your disposal what it speaks of is god is worthy of all things and don't hold anything back with god give it all surrender completely and you'll never regret doing that our god is worthy of all things so is there anything that you love more than god god i i know that that you want me to offer it up to you but i can't do that That is not how someone who has truly experienced God Almighty behaves. Why would we want to hold anything back? Let me ask you a question. Whatever you have, who provided it for you? He either provided you the means to earn it or he, through his goodness, secured it for you and allowed you to take possession of it. But ultimately, all things belong to what? God and all the wealth and i say this frequently because it's so important all the things of this world that has value read the book of revelation in one moment 
all this wealth is going to be made to nothing and the merchants of the world those who belong to to that last empire that love that empire because of its its wealth and its prosperity and all the merchandise all of this is going to in a moment be destroyed so why hold on to things that ultimately are going to become nothing we need to realize that god transcends he is eternal and his kingdom that's why messiah says don't store up things here upon earth the treasures of this world because they can be stolen they wear out they get rusty and such but rather store up treasures in the kingdom of god where thief can't steal that they don't wear out they don't have any type of 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 rust or mold or anything that shows decay but the kingdom promises they are eternal blessings so why focus on the temporal rather than the eternal and when we have that perspective we're going to make very different decisions and those very different decisions are going to be decisions that are pleasing to god so we are told here bring to the lord glory and power all that we have access to verse 8. again havu bring to the lord or render to him the honor of his name now some translations and this is fine this is certainly the intent give to him the glory which is due his name first and foremost to be able to do that you have to recognize the character of god and and messiah reflects perfectly he is the character of god now we know something that god is eternal god is spirit but the incarnation took place this is when god took on human flesh to do something and that is to redeem humanity was god going to redeem all of humanity the work that was done is able to but just because the provision is made one has to take hold of that provision and we do so by faith faith in the message and that message is good news known as the gospel so in verse 8 it says render to the lord give to him bring to him the glory that that his name deserves and when we do that it's going to lead us to give when we recognize who god is and what he has done in our behalf we are going to want to worship him through giving that's why it says su mincha which means take up a gift now it's a grain offering but it's also the hebrew word for gift one of the hebrew words so lift up an offering and come to his courtyards meaning this move towards him desire to be in his presence and let me say this being in the presence of god changes everything when you experience god you are going to think differently you will make very 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 different decisions 
one of the things that the enemy does and of course i'm speaking about that diabolical one the devil satan is that he deceives us because he gets us to thinking in the wrong way we think in the temporal we think about our own well-being in this world rather than our eternal future in the kingdom of god and many people don't even believe there is a kingdom of god they put no emphasis upon that they live for the moment and that's why death is a a great fear for them but for someone who knows god who's experienced his redemption whose spirit dwells within such a person we don't fear death we're we're not worried about dying as paul says given a choice between the two from a personal standpoint paul says i would choose death but he says for ministry purpose for your well-being i'm going to remain but given the choice paul would immediately want to be absent from this body and to be present with the lord not in some some uh, state of unconsciousness or soul sleep that's a false teaching when we die in faith we are going to be instantly our souls instantly in the presence of messiah and therefore we're going to want at that time when we are in the presence of that holy god we will want to be able to offer up things to him in thanksgiving well that's all those good works that hopefully you and i have done remember what messiah says in in matthew chapter 25 those that you've done what you have done to the least of my brethren you have done even to me that's how we need to think always verse verse 9 where it says which is a term of worship it is a term of of being prostrate before the lord in his honorable and holy sanctuary so it says basically worship the lord in the the splendor of his sanctuary and then we have this is a word that speaks about about fearing god honoring god it's a word of humility trembling we might say before god's presence so it's always wrapped up in a respect in a a remembering the nature of god that he is god the almighty so so fear before him all the earth there's no one hear this there is no one that ought not fear god god is unchallengeable god has no equal and therefore it is amazing that this awesome powerful strong god that cannot be defeated that he would extend his love to us he's made us we are his creation and we are only going to know a sense of of meaning and fullness when we submit to him and the lie of the enemy is to get us to rebel because rebellion leads to destruction adversity in our life it it brings about a feeling of lostness and that's what the enemy wants this lostness relates to despair and discouragement and a sense of 
hopelessness when when satan is moving one uh wants to just die and this is just a death of escape they want to end things in this world but paul he he wanted to minister in this world now he knows that the world to come is so much better but he's not wanting to take his life he's wanting to offer up his life as a pleasing sacrifice unto the lord to serve god as long as god sees fit on this world and then when we leave this world we don't enter into a state of of nothingness but we enter into the presence of god in his kingdom what a wonderful thing to experience then he says keep reading verse verse uh, 12 verse 10 excuse me say among the nations the lord has reign now god has reign is reign and will reign what this means is that god is sovereign when it says the lord has run it means god is sovereign he has as i said no equal no opponent no one can stand against him successfully for surely you have established the world and it will not fall it will not collapse it is not going to be uh, dislodged from how god has established this world for he will judge people with uprightness he will do so in a righteous manner now god he is judge this is one of the primary things we need to see therefore we need to submit to his truth because his truth is the only truth it's his ways that we need to obey because he will judge and he will do so with righteous with righteousness verse 11 the heavens are glad and the earth rejoices the sea and its fullness it uh uh rages and this is a word that we get thunder thumb thunder from so a strong word i think most bibles will say the sea and its fullness will roar but it's the same word for thunder and again all that this is saying is this creation all of creation heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them are going to one day acknowledge god now what about us well we're going to as well i say this again all the time this verse from philippians chapter 2 every mouth will confess every knee shall bow to the glory of god that yeshua that he is lord everyone is going to say that the question is this are you going to do it now in this life and have your life be changed and live under that truth that he is lord or are you going to reject that be foolish be be prideful and lead the life that you want rejecting the good life that god has for you rejecting that and go before him and at that time you're going to be forced to acknowledge he is lord i was wrong but because you rejected redemption that gospel message what's going to happen you are going to be cast out of his presence into the lake ultimately that burns with fire and brimstone and you are going to experience eternal sorrow eternal torment and eternal fear that's the the 
offering that God gives either in his kingdom with him a kingdom of righteousness a kingdom of promise a kingdom of blessing or outside in other darkness where there's sorrow and there's weeping and there is gnashing of teeth two greatly different extremes we make the decision he's provided everything for you to have that which is good and glorious so the heavens will be glad and the earth will rejoice the sea and its fullness will will thunder verse 12 for my fields they will rejoice and all which is in them then all the trees of the forest they will shout now all of this is teaching us about a change that is coming to creation and creation those things like trees and and rocks and everything that we think well this is just just a substance but all of god's creation is going to acknowledge him they are waiting they are groaning for that final redemption to take place where they too are transformed and they have the ability to worship god all of god's creation wants to do that except humanity with humanity there is a small remnant that desires that but the vast majority of people do not so my fields will rejoice and all which is in them and then the trees all the trees of the forest they will shout this is a word of singing praise to god verse 13 our last verse before the lord for he comes now verse 13 speaks about the fact that that all the creation is going to worship him when he comes before the lord for he is coming and he is coming to judge the earth what do you hear when god says he's coming to judge the earth well yes there's a degree of wrath but that wrath is going to fall on humanity the vast majority of humanity but the term judgment has to do with setting things in order that's why the earth and the heavens and the sea and the fields and all of god's creation is longing for redemption they want things to be put back in the original order when god says behold everything is good very good only redemption brings about that state of goodness and creation is longing for that so look at verse 13 before the lord for he is coming he is coming to judge the earth he will judge and we have a different word for earth the word tevil which is like the entire world he's going to judge it in righteousness now this judging of righteousness is why we see in the book of revelation that there's the ark and the ark opens up when god's judgment comes his wrath but we see here based upon this scripture judge in righteousness according to the word of god according to the instructions of god and people people with his faithfulness or his faith meaning this we see in this scripture the last part of verse 13 
Remember, all of this is poetic. What's the chief characteristic of Hebrew poetry? Parallelism. What is parallel with righteousness? It is his faith. And what does that teach us? Well, again, when I am teaching uh, a group of seminary students, I will take a verse like this. We're going through perhaps Hebrew poetry, the laws of it, and I'll say simply, what does his faith, meaning believing in his truth, produce in a person's life? What's the evidence that someone has faith, that someone has embraced the truth of God? Well, this psalm tells us, and there's only one answer, righteousness. So when we look at such a psalm, we see that God reveals many things beyond why we should worship him and the fact that God has commanded us to worship him. So Psalm 96, such a foundational psalm and why we should worship him and using this psalm, going through it, saying it, and and presenting it as an offering to God, what a wise thing to do. And as you simply, not with vain repetition, but in meaningful repetition, when you repeat this psalm before God in worship, doing that is going to have an effect upon you. It will certainly bring you into God's presence. It is going to be a source of receiving revelation from Him in order that you see things from His perspective. That is a big takeaway from worship. Worship changes me. One of the aspects of me being changed is I will see things better. I will grow in my ability to discern. And that means to be able to discern the perspective of God, His purposes and His will. Worship, foundational for living a faithful life. I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.